Healing Tunes with Dr. Kirsten Zimke. Morena Kirsten, how are you today? Good morning. I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of excited, a little bit concerned about the songs we've got lined up this morning. It's very saccharine. Where are we going? Oh well, don't you worry. Um, so we're going to sweet songs, songs with um, food and candy and lollies in the title. So we've talked about bubblegum pop before with you uh, quite a while ago now, and yep. I'm sure this is sort of like a sibling relationship but this seems to be a bit more cross genre than than bubblegum was well this is the original actually there's a very long academic story to this i'm gonna happy to know shall i hit the first track in that case all right get ready for it folks listening to Kirsten so this is Millie with my boy lollipop 1964 it's actually a cover um, so it had been performed before and it's um, a ska song and it was Jamaica's first million selling single in the wow. UK and the US that's so interesting This is one of those songs that I don't know if I've ever actively sorted out, but I must have heard this a million times. It's been used in everything. Anytime you need just like to infer some sweetness or some, you know, maybe over sweetness, this is the track that people pull out. Uh, she actually came on tour in 1965 to New Zealand. Really? And there's a rumor that this harmonica is played by Rod Stewart. <gasps> He denies it, but Millie <laughs> says it is. That's pretty cool. Rod's like, like, no, no, not me. No, no, no. I believe Millie. And so she's Jamaican. Her parents um, literally worked on a sugar plantation, and she just, you know, had this huge hit. She died in 2020 at age 73. Oh, wow. So pretty recent. Great voice. Yeah, amazing voice, eh? So why did this become so popular, do you reckon, Kirsten? Well, it was, you know, it's a sort of a poppy kind of ska that I guess was relatable, and it cashed in on this tradition of having candy sweetness. I mean, you know, people can probably think of songs about bubblegum, um, milkshakes, it's quite <laughs> sugar. A good, it's quite a good filler for meaning anything from, like, something sort of platonic and cute to something kind of... That's right. ...a bit raunchier. And apparently um, in the blues... It was a big disguise thing to have songs about food, jelly rolls, lemon juice, squeezing lemons. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so they could, you know, people could listen to them and, like you said, choose which way they want to hear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so I was going to say, I think that yeah. song was like a school disco song, you know? I feel like that's probably been put on in that context. And so this is um, Bow Wow Wow. Bow Wow Wow. 1965. And and, uh, yeah. Oh no, I was just gonna say, I feel like this also had some '90s versions as well. Maybe. Oh gosh. Someone can did. text in; they'll know. Oh no, it did. Aaron Carter. Oh yeah. Actually, he's been in the news lately too. I know. Um, it's very really sad yeah. news. And Mel C. Hell yeah! <laughs> Couple of legends there. <laughs> so this is what's called the uh, Bo Diddley beat, which is why it sounds familiar, you know, because that beat uh, is yep. in other songs. 
And the lead singer, she's actually Burmese English. Cool. So the euphemisms started in the in the blues, and um, oh gosh, I've read a bunch of academic articles on it that um, that a lot of the songs were sexual because this is where music was played. It was played in back alleys, sort of brewery, you know, shanties and clubs and strip clubs, you know, because this, you know, there was um, the time when people weren't allowed to drink alcohol, yeah. so that there was a bodiness to the music because that's where this raunchy pop music was, right. you know, it wasn't before, it was sort of played on radio and everybody allowed to listen to it. But then also, wow, it gets even deeper that some of the uh, enslaved peoples from Africa, their religious traditions were a lot more uh, procreation friendly and about abundance. Um, and so this was a way of sneaking in some of their religious elements. Wow, that's so interesting. And I know, it was super deep. In sort of Christian spaces where they were forbidden to worship some of their gods. Right. But by singing songs about, um, you know, life and reproduction and celebration of the body was actually, you know, religious. That's so interesting. What a tune. The Aaron Carter version from the 90s, I think that was on like a Lizzie McGuire episode that's burned into my brain from my childhood. Now this is kind of different. Yeah, so this is psychedelic rock, 1967. (laughs) I mean, their name is Strawberry Alarm Clock, so they've got food in the name. And the song's called Incense and Peppermints. Mmm. Is this a nonsense song? Is it a euphemism as well? Is it covering something up? I'm sort of hearing psychedelic stuff. Maybe it's drugs. What's going on here, Kirsten? Incense and peppermints, the color of time. <laughs> <laughs> So, what's, so, for all the sort of complexity of how this sounds, and you might think of subcultures and drugs, these guys were like an L.A. musician band, and the lead, the guitarist, he actually, in another iteration of himself, um, invented the Sweet Home Alabama riff. Oh, my God. I know. Wow. Weird, fun fact for everyone. So this is obviously coming from a different tradition than what we've just been talking about of, of uh, I guess, sneaking different cultural ideas into it. This is, looks like a bunch of white dudes from L.A. So what's going on here? Is there is there something more to this or is it just for fun? Well, it's probably still, it's the same euphemisms because a lot of these guys were like really interested in the blues as the okay, root right. of what they were doing. And so any musician, you know, worth their salt would look towards some of the older musicians to, you know, find really great riffs and how mm. to play. Mm-hmm. And so to start to get into that set of double meanings and entendre and playing with, you know, sort of sensory elements too in, in music. And because remember, I mean, they did have music on television, but it wasn't as codified now. It's like we have music videos. Yeah, yeah. So getting really evocative, you know, in your imagery. Shalala. 
<laughs> this is great. <laughs> I quite like how, I mean, the three we've played this morning have all got a bit of a saccharine flavour to them in their own way. But, uh, you know, the list that you sent us through had all sorts of folks like Nina Simone on there uh, and some other kind of incredible artists who I think wouldn't necessarily think of as uh, as being people who do these perhaps like gimmicky on the surface tracks but maybe hit things a little bit more head on so it's an interesting phenomenon that seems to happen across a lot of genre yeah because you know like you said it, it it has a sort of a playful almost childish thing element on the top layer of it mm. but it's it's multiple layer um you know has this all sorts of history of racism and slavery in the united states and and coding and you know complex metaphors and stuff like that so yeah so you'll never listen to music the same again <laughs> it's like a multi-layered birthday cake to carry on a sugary metaphor there thank you kirsten for bringing us some sweet songs this morning where are we going to go next week experimental bluegrass Ooh. okay we'll see you then thank you okay that was traveling tunes with dr kirsten zimpke